clapped right in the mic, so if you can press that, that's going to be weird. You'll have to cut out the claps. <laughs> oh, I, I always do. Cool. Because with mine, my um, waveform for me talking is tiny, and then there are these giant spikes for the claps. So. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's just a bit of technical insight into what goes on at the Nerd Out Consumed <gasps> podcast. <laughs> You're leaving it in. You're doing a... You're doing a... Um, I was going to say Nerdist, but it's called the Idiot Podcast now, where they... Oh, yeah. Or just start off like this. Yes, exactly. And that's, that's how I'm starting off for episode 15 of Nerd Out Consumed. Is it 15 or 16? 15, isn't it? Uh, I don't know anymore. Numbers don't mean anything. I need to double check now, actually, because I've, I've... See, I've started a project. Again, behind the scenes stuff. I've started a project in... Adobe Audition, and I've called it episode 15, and if I've got it wrong, I'm just going to feel like crap. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right, it's 16. Oh, well. Oh, it is 16. I'll rename it. doesn't matter, really. I mean... It doesn't matter. Yeah, do whatever you want. You're living your yeah. best life either way. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, that was a long rambling introduction, but ladies and gentlemen, my name is Reese Parton, and I am joined, as always, on this podcast by my good friend, Sandro Felcher. Hello, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. It's kind of an interesting time for us to record, because we normally do it in the evening, but it's Saturday morning today. It's the morning, yeah. It is. There's sunlight out there. <laughs> yes, we should probably also very quickly just mention that, yeah, we did say that we were going to do Last of Us special this week. I haven't finished it. Ah. Turns out the game's 40 hours long. <laughs> it's very long, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we, I don't think we actually put a date on it. We said there'd be a, a discussion mm. later on. I did carefully edit around that because we were organising with a guest. We're going to have a guest on that episode. And uh, it might be next week, might be afterwards. We, we don't really know. I don't want to put too much pressure on Sandro because I just wanted to enjoy the game. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there will be a guest and there will be a Last of Us Part 2 special. Although I do want to make it clear that We'll probably do that in the second half of the episode. Yes. We'll have the usual question that we ask about, you know, what have we consumed lately? Oh, you, you spoiled the question, oh I know, I know. <laughs> I feel so bad. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll do that bit first, and then we'll get into a lot of detail about Last of Us Part 2 in whatever episode that is. Definitely. Possibly next week. We'll see how Possibly. we go. Possibly. I mean, I'm 20 hours in at the moment. Oh, wow. So I should... Yeah, be, I feel like I'm taking longer than usual because I'm like exploring every building and everything. Oh, you have to, which I typically do in games. So yeah, it's so good. It's so detailed. I want to get all those comic book cards. I, yeah. I just want I, I, I want Ellie to be happy. <laughs> oh, by the way, I think one of them is based on the director. It's called Doctor Uckman. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> the director's name is Neil Druckmann. Mm. So just remove the. DR from the start of that, and it looks a bit like him too, I think. So yeah. I've been looking for that one. I haven't found it yet. Uh, actually, yeah, I'm going to just jump right into this because I do want to mention that I've been replaying that uh, nice. a little bit. But yes, yeah, so, Sandro. Yes. What have you consumed lately, my friend? I mean, it's The Last of Us too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to save a lot of my thoughts for, for the episode I think that we're going to do. Absolutely. But yeah, it's great. I'm loving it. Yep. I am shooketh. Mm-hmm. Based off some things that have happened yep. since uh, we last talked, which mm-hmm. we have talked about on on Messenger as well, just some of the decisions, yeah, very 
uh, I hate the term, but very ballsy <laughs> to make. It's got confidence. That's what I like about it. Yeah, it does. And yeah, I, uh, I, I'm just loving it. I'm really liking it. Um, yeah. There's a quote I heard from the director. I've, I've been looking into behind the scenes stuff now that I've actually played it. And Troy Baker said that he was talking with uh, the director. By the way, Troy Baker plays Joel, one of the main mm. characters, uh, during the first one where they were, they were making the decision at the end of the game. And it was quite, again, I don't like the term either, but it was quite ballsy at the time to do that decision where you had to make Joel do something quite oh, yeah. uh, extreme. Yeah. <laughs> you had no choice either. You had to watch it. You had to do it. Um, he was doing it for the right reasons, I personally think, mm. but he did do something very extreme. And Troy asked Neil Druckmann, what if people, are you worried about them liking it or hating it or something like that? And uh, the director said, look, I don't care if they love it or hate it. I just don't want them to be ambivalent. Yeah. And that is so strongly present. I think he went into this game with that attitude because a lot of people, myself included, don't like some of the choices, but they're done so well. <laughs> yeah, that's the really interesting thing about it is that the the game, this style of story is usually something you'd see in a Telltale game or something like Detroit Become Human where you have yeah. some control over the story, mm. whereas you absolutely do not in this. And it's really interesting to see if uh, a story that's so focused. It feels very different to like everything else that I've played. Yeah. In that way. Although it does kind of feel like you do have a little bit of control, which we'll get into in the episode, which is, again, one of my favorite parts of the game, I think, is some <laughs> of the stuff that comes in there, which I'm yeah. going to be very cryptic about because it is a spoiler, but yeah, good <laughs> stuff. Well, yeah, when I found out that, you know, we were potentially going to be recording today with the guests and talk about it as an, a special episode, I started playing it again just to try and get the story again, just to make sure I'm, I'm well up on the beats, but then I've got a bit more time to do it. So I was actually starting to explore and try and find that specific card, but I'm finding a whole lot of other cards as well. Mm. And just other stuff I love about the game is just how detailed it is and like the graphics in it are amazing. But little things like you go into a house and you can just imagine what happened when one of the family members got infected and you could just see like a scene that played out almost mm. by the fact that something got knocked over here in the corner. And then there's blood splatter on the ground and it's like, did the wife has, have to kill the husband or something like that because he started going mm. crazy? You know, it's little things like that which just build that world so much and it's yeah, so well done. It's a great game. It's so deliberate. Yeah. Everything is so deliberate to like make you feel something, which is mm -hmm. great because I think so many games nowadays... Uh, everything Ubisoft puts out, I'm looking at you. There's so much, like, wasted space and just you've got to traverse just flat plains or, like, climb a mountain for no real apparent reason. There yeah. isn't really a reason there aside from, I guess, uh, boosting the playtime, which you don't need to for a game of that size. <laughs> yeah. Whereas with this, everything is there for a reason. Yeah, um, and you do want to, you know, explore everything to to find out everything about the world i did have one minor issue yesterday as i was playing it i've just arrived at seattle again mm. oh, it was when i just arrived at seattle and i was being directed to go towards the i'll just say the television center te television studio mm. that doesn't give away too much and <laughs> part of me just thought this game is so detailed and so beautiful can't it be open world i don't want to be directed in that direction <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but that's that's just a compliment to how well the designers have done i reckon but definitely yeah 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 i'm excited to get into the spoilers 
uh, soon. I think it'd be really, really fun. Oh, definitely. Especially with a guest, yeah. Oh, yeah, and it's a very nuanced game, so I'm looking forward to discussing those nuances. Definitely. Um, I'm just going to quickly go through some things that I've consumed, a bit of a rapid fire. I watched Machete and Machete Kills again. <laughs> oh, First time I've seen those in about four years. Uh, forgot how... Um, uh, the, the <laughs> cast haven't particularly aged well. Uh, the second one's got uh, Charlie Sheen, Amber Heard, and Mel Gibson in it. And, uh, oh, it's a dumpster fire. <laughs> and, and the first one has Steven Seagal in it as well, who I think is the worst of the bunch. He's an awful person. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I forgot how that didn't age well, but the films were really, really fun. I still like him a lot. I watched it for a podcast. I, I guessed it on the Crooked Table podcast, Ooh. and that should be coming out in the next two or so weeks, which I'll plug that when that comes out. But yeah, I watched those two for that, so that's what I've been consuming. Mm. Also finished American Horror Story Season 6, Romanoke. Weirdly, I would say the scariest, yet also the funniest season <laughs> of the show. I'm not surprised about funniest. It sounded like a great uh, concept for a season. Yeah, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a mockumentary yeah. season. Uh, it's also a satire about like reality TV. Like you've got some cast members, like Sarah Paulson is playing an actor who's playing Lily Rabe, <laughs> who's a real life person in this TV show for like a dramatic reenactment. And then <laughs> for the second half of the season, she plays herself and she's got a British accent, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> so spot on. And um, yeah, it's just, just some just some very funny stuff like that. Evan Peters, again, in the last two seasons of American Horror Story, he's had to put on ridiculous accents, and he's <laughs> perfect. He's so perfect. He's such a good actor. I love that dude. He's great. Um, but yeah, because the second half of the season is found footage, I wanna, I don't want to say too much because it is a spoiler, but mm. uh, it's, it, it's tense. It's very tense. And I was surprised because found footage is usually so corny and i hate it like paranormal activity i think is the worst i don't like blair witch project i i didn't think it was particularly uh effective um in my opinion i know a lot of people quite like that movie but it didn't really do anything for me i've never seen it yeah i quite like chronicle though i think Chronicle's pretty cool mm -hmm. i like how that deals with superhero stuff but the found footage and the way that they used it in this was really cool because it does feel quite grungy and real and i think that's just because the cast are incredible like at this point every cast member is phenomenal the final episode's a little weird and they made some they made some decisions in how they showed you stuff that happened which i was a little unsure about hmm. but for the most part I, th I think it tells a pretty fun story uh definitely an improvement over freak show and hotel which felt like they were kind of getting into a bit of a rut with their uh with their structure so i'm excited that this one kind of switched things up i'm keen for season seven which is cult mainly because evan peters plays <laughs> plays manson oh okay i'm very excited for that because i think that that's going to be great um mm. i think evan peters plays like six something characters in that season God, he's or good. Something. <laughs> he's incredible. And also, the season is set, like, right after the 2016 elections, which is a horror story in its own right. Hmm. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see how they do that. Also, I think it's a clown season. Oh. So, that's also cool. I'm just excited to see how that season plays out, because it looks really fun. I think um Billy Lord's in it as well, as one of the lead cast members. Oh, I love her. Yeah, Carrie Fisher's daughter. So I'm going to get into that. Yeah. Uh, I haven't heard good things about that season, but I'm excited to watch it just based off that alone. Um, so yeah, 
I've heard mixed things from you about the whole show. <laughs> Look, it's it's pure trash. Yeah. And I don't know if I would recommend it to... Oh, I don't know. It's one of those things where, like, it's so self-aware of the tropes that it uses that if you're a fan of the genre, <laughs> you'll like it. Yep. But it's also so trashy. So <laughs> unbelievably trashy. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. Um, I would give Roanoke one thumb up because I will because I refuse to give a single season of this show two thumbs up, but I enjoyed it. I think it was a good season. One of the top three, I think, in my opinion. And then I also finished uh, the novel I was reading, Finders Keepers by Stephen King, the second in the Bill Hodges trilogy. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was a weird one. The first 130 pages felt like the cold opening to an episode of uh, Police Procedural because it was <laughs> setting up the premise. Yeah. But it was also over a quarter of the book. Yeah, that's a big chunk. Yeah. Which kind of works considering how fast paced the rest of it is. But it was an interesting decision. I think I read like the last 130 pages in one sitting, which I've never done before. That's a compliment. Yeah, at least not in the last like... I don't know, 10 years. I haven't really sat down and read that much in one sitting. Mm. So that's definitely a plus for the book. Just because, yeah, it's ridiculously fast-paced and quite disconnected to Mr. Mercedes outside of the main characters, who, granted, probably have l- less uh, screen time, it's the wrong time, less word time than, than <laughs> the new characters in this one. His story time, maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although I just think of what's his name, Thomas Sanders, with that story time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah uh it was really good it was really really good and it sets up some interesting things for the third and final book in this trilogy which i'm Ooh. probably going to wait until i finish last of us to do mm-hmm. uh but yes very good finders keepers i think another strong one thumb up i don't think i'm going to give it two thumbs up fair enough unless the end of the trilogy kind of changes my mind but yeah, yeah it's really good stuff so those are some things I've been doing. Excellent. What have you been consuming lately, though? Oh, well, uh, last night I watched another episode of Queer Eye because I'd kind of forgotten, oh, I didn't finish the la- the latest season. And, you know, that's <laughs> always, that's quite nice. That's quite, um, it's a feel-good show. And it's, a, yes, it's a reality show and it's deliberately edited to make you feel good. <laughs> <laughs> it was um quite a poignant one. It was the story of a guy who started a fish shop in philadelphia he moved from mexico couldn't speak english when he moved wow started a fish shop throughout the years he's had five kids with his wife i believe Mm -hmm. and uh he then decided that he wanted to launch a restaurant but the thing is he was struggling to do it because he was working ridiculous hours and basically all he did was work and he hardly spent time with uh his family, and they were a bit upset about that. So they needed the Queer Eye boys to come in and show him that you need to have a balance in life between family life and work. Mm. And also one of his daughters had left the house because she's first generation uh, living in America. And there was a huge cultural difference. And her dad was quite strict with making sure she followed traditional values or at least, you know, uh, they didn't go to exactly what he told her to do, but she got very annoyed and moved out when she was about 18. Yeah, right. And they hadn't really talked very much, but they brought her back. So there was a scene where they cried and I got a bit, a bit emotional too about, you know, just needing to reconnect and then needing to take some time. And he needs to realize that she's making her own choices and that, you know, there are two cultures that she sees. She went to school in America, mm-hmm. but, you know, has has these uh, very traditional values at home and you've got to respect that she's got to find her own path. Yeah. And um, it's a very poignant message that's applicable in almost any country, I reckon, for anyone. 
less so when you know you move within the western world or i'm sure if you you know in the east you move between countries there it's less impactful but if there's a language barrier if there's a cultural barrier it certainly impacts so that was just it's nice that that sort of thing is put out there just to have a little bit of empathy for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something else I watched last night, actually, I had a good night of watching stuff last night. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Was the very quirky, the very creative, and the kind of weird Unicorn Store. Oh, yes. <laughs> Love that movie. Yeah, I've been saying I go, I'm going to watch it for a while. I finally did, and it was great. Yeah. The thing I like about it was is it covers quite a lot of stuff, almost... Well, some of it is subtly and has just like uh, hints to it. Like you have no idea if potentially, you know, some of the characters um, have like obsessive compulsive disorder or something like that. Mm. But it, it hints at little habits that we all have to get through life when things get hard and stressful. And it also not just hints, it literally addresses it, you know, sexual harassment in the workplace. <laughs> oh, yeah. And because it, it's funny during those scenes, it's played off almost as a joke. And then later on, the main character, played by the incredible Brie Larson, talks to someone who she's started dating, like, you know, am I pretty enough to be sexually assaulted? And he's like, wait, what? What are you talking about? Mm. Where's this happening? And it's it's such an interesting mix of, and actually, I suppose that's what it's like in the moment if a, if a man is being, you know, creepy. It's usually a man. I'm just going to use a man and woman situation because statistically that's what happens. Yeah. If, especially a boss, in this situation it was like the... Uh, vice president of the company she's working for is being pretty sleazy towards her. I suppose women just have to play it off. They're not if they're not going to commit to it, and not going to go along with the acts that they're trying to make them do. Then they'll just you know laugh about it a little bit and then have to live with it. And so I just I kind of like the way it touched upon all these things, but it was a PG rated film. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Usually with things like you know Game of Thrones, The Last of Us, uh, lots of stuff like that. It's intended for a mature audience and they depicted it in all its its harrowing detail but in this it's kind of like touched upon it they touched upon a lot of stuff like um her parents who are ridiculous and so quirky yet caring and you know they they play it off as if they're dumb like the movie plays it off mm. as if they're dumb but they know exactly what they're doing and they they start this kind of youth group and it's all very like hippie based almost all about your feelings all about opening up and having a truth circle that they have and they know the kids lie, but the thing is, they're at least giving the kids something to live for because all these characters went through a whole lot of horrible stuff in their life. And so it's an interesting mix of the way I read that was this film's kind of about someone growing up and about how we have to face the real world and it's it's kind of ridiculous to have passions, yeah. which is very meta for someone like Brie Larson, who's a musician, an actress, a very creative person. And so most of the note she got in the scene where she pitched her ad for a vacuum cleaner <laughs> oh yes most of those notes is basically what the world says to artistic types <laughs> yeah like which is really interesting that you would bring that up as well because obviously Bree directed it but she didn't yeah. write it like this, is, this isn't something that she wrote no. which i find really interesting considering how i don't know attached to her it feels like yeah well what i was going to say is that just resonates like <sighs> You don't want to know how many times I've been told, well, how about you just get a real job instead of focusing on acting (laughs) or something like that. And, well, it's as real as any other contract work out there. Mm. Electricians are contract workers. Actors are contract workers. Mm. (laughs) And it's it's that sort of thing. So I resonated with that. I also kind of resonated with 
the whole idea of like she believed in unicorns and it's obviously a huge metaphor and spoilers <laughs> we see a unicorn at the end oh yeah but it's kind of i saw that as the kind of i'll be honest like uh, in 2019 i had a bit of a rough year and it was looking forward to end game that got me through it mm. actually more 2018 into 2019 but yeah it, it was looking forward to the joy and the spark and the inspiration and the creativity and the kick i, I get out of seeing people like the russo brothers or robert downey jr or Alan Silvestri, who did the music for that, who are all masters at what they do, come together. I love the collaboration of artistic stuff. I would call that magic, and I think that's the metaphor of the unicorn, is like, it's something to hold on to, it's something you pursue. Mm. And I guess the way I read that was maybe Breeze struggled with that. Maybe she wanted to give up her creative dreams and become an office worker, Mm. and that's why she connected to this story, but she wanted to keep going. And that speech about how the unicorn is then going to go and help another little girl Mm, yeah yeah it was such a great little monologue basically thank you for being there when i was a kid and i loved you and i was and we're allowed to do that when we're kids but we're not allowed to when we grow up yet lots of people like myself like you you're quite creative as well we're invested in this creative world because it's something to do and it's something that makes you feel (laughs) and so Mm -hmm. but she's now saying this is going to be there for someone else and i just felt like it's such a meta message because that movie Directed by a woman, written by a woman, starring one of the Hollywood's most successful people, let alone the fact that she's a woman. She's very successful just in general. That would have been an inspiration for another young creative woman. So it's like a meta message at the end, I think. And I just, I love that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting that spark that I like getting out of creativity now, just by thinking about this film. And, you know, it's got an excellent performance from Samuel L. Jackson as well. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, definitely. actually I thought about it I put this on Facebook even um, I haven't seen all of his films but I haven't seen a performance from him that I don't like yeah he's not really one to phone it in is he no no exactly <laughs> even in something like um, Miss Pennegrain's Peculiar Children or whatever that, that film was called oh right yeah I haven't seen that one but yeah <laughs> everyone was quite flat in it but he was still just given it his all and it was mm. like good on you good on yeah. you yeah yeah, yeah. Um, the characters are great I feel like I undersold it until I talked about that um, <laughs> that monologue, which is great. <laughs> but it's got um, <laughs> just funny things. The guy from Deadpool talks to Captain Marvel, and I thought that was funny. Um, he plays oh, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the cast is great. The characters are great. It's a very quirky story. Lots of metaphors all over the place, I think. Uh, lots of observations on the fact that this boardroom of people, even the woman wanted to go for the other ad, which was basically a scantily clad woman holding a baby and vacuuming the floor. Mm, Yeah. Because it's a sexy woman. People like sexy women. That'll sell. And uh, it's just, that is such a commentary on the fact that, yeah, that's what will sell. And I'm sure, actually, Brie Larson's been on the receiving end of that. Like, oh, she's actually not attractive enough to play this character, but she's talented enough. Mm. (laughs) She won an Oscar, deservedly so, for one of her first major films. Yeah. Wasn't one of her first. She's been doing it for a long time, but like I feel like she finally got recognition for Room that she deserves, and it was it was great. Yeah, that was definitely her first um like lead dramery sort of role. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because everything before that was like you know Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> oh yeah. Speaking of Scott Pilgrim, I just remembered something. They did an anniversary script reading via Zoom with all the cast, mm. and there's a great bit where. Edgar Wright is there and he reads the stage directions and he said, oh, here's a weird thing. And he says, hey, Chris, do you remember this? To Chris Evans. Um, I can't remember what he throws, but uh, it says, 
And then, uh, do you remember Chris Evans' name from... No. Okay, anyway. Then this guy picks up the disc and throws it Captain America style. <laughs> <laughs> That's Scott. And I just that was a great little foreshadowing, basically, which is excellent. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, so basically, Unicorn Store. I'll rate it. Two thumbs up, I think. it. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a good one. I didn't know what to expect, but I just it's it feels like it's very poignant, quite important to you know young women. I'm sure uh, to me. What am I saying? Like <laughs> it's funny. You watch something like that, or you watch Black Panther, and you see various communities of the world go, "Oh, finally, I'm being represented," or "Finally, this is great," you know, and that is good. But also, I'm like, but I kind of got inspired by that too, and I don't have to be a woman <laughs> or completely black to <laughs> to resonate with it. But yeah, I enjoyed it, and I hope that. The because uh, I'm sure the intention was to encourage young women because it seemed like a young woman's story if that makes sense because it is her coming of age. Mm. I hope it was inspiring for them. Yeah, yeah, it's a great film. Highly recommend it as well. Definitely. So, what else have you consumed? Uh, speaking of watching movies, last night mm. I saw a couple. One of them is a little weird. <laughs> the poster for that one is weird. If it's the same one, I think of. Uh, no, the poster for the non-weird one is actually the weird poster. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to talk about First Cow, a film <laughs> that came out as a part of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival 66 and a half or whatever they're calling it. Uh, the online thing that they're doing this year, this was a part of it. Don't denigrate online stuff. Don't call it a half. It's worth a whole. <laughs> yeah. Well, the lineup isn't particularly great. Ah, okay. But yeah, this was the only one that really stood out to me. Um, so First Cow is the latest <laughs> It's a great title. It is. I love it so much. So was your Instagram story. I it sh- shouldn't have laughed, but I did. He said, oh, I've got to watch this movie. <laughs> God, yeah, I did put that up. That's so dumb. <laughs> Were you drinking? <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Oh, okay. I was just like, I need to make this funny. <laughs> so I did, and I regret it, but still on there. Uh- <laughs> and now it's recorded forever. <laughs> yes. It's the latest film from Kelly Reichardt. I think is how you say her name. I've never seen anything that she's done before, but I've heard really, really good things about uh, a Meeks cutoff, which was a Western from about 10 years ago. And then I think she also did one with Jesse Eisenberg and Dakota Fanning mm. a few years ago as well that got some really good reviews. I'm going to have to go back and see a, a bunch of her stuff because this mm. film was amazing. It was so cool. It's basically about uh, this character called Cookie, who's played by John Magaro, who has kind of been uh, the that guy of romantic interests on Netflix TV shows. Oh, right, yeah. The name sounds familiar. I'm going to look him up. Yeah, he's in um, Umbrella Academy and Orange is the New Black as a romantic interest. And then he's also in a few movies that I recognize him from, stuff like The Big Short and Overlord, which he's quite good in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's great. He's really good. This is the first time I've seen him in a lead role, Hmm. and he's excellent. So it's set in the 1800s, I think, early 1800s. It's a a gold rush in Oregon. Oh, wow. And uh, I don't want to say too much, because it is one of those movies where the entire first act does feel kind of aimless, and you don't really get what the, the, the premise is until about half an hour in. Hmm. Uh, so I'm not going to say too much, but let's just say there's a cow. Yep. And the cow may be the first cow. Mm-hmm. In Oregon? In Oregon. <laughs> oh, okay. And 
Cookie is wanting to make some money. Okay, yeah. That's all I'll say. Oh, wow. It's got René Aubergenois, mm-hmm. who was in Deep Space Nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in it for a yeah. bit. Not too long. I don't know if he says too much, but he's in there for a bit. And he's great. Toby Jones is in it as well. Ah, oh, love Toby Jones. As a chief factor of the <laughs> fort where where all these people are. He's fantastic. I yeah. like just just everything he's in. It's like he's always just so much fun. Mm-hmm. He soaks up the scenery. Uh, is that a term? Usually people say eat it, but I'll take soak up. Yeah. He, certainly... <laughs> he doesn't. Oh, whatever. Nobody can ham it up as well as him, and I love it. <laughs> exactly. He's just wonderful. Yeah, yeah, and he's so so fun in this. Uh, the lead, John Magaro, also meets this character called King Lou, who's played by Orion Lee, who I don't think has done too much. I think this might be one of his first like lead roles. Mm. Who is also fantastic, and their on-screen chemistry is phenomenal. It's quite... It takes a while to get there, but it's quite a charming tale of friendship, which I really liked. And it kind of carried through the final act really, really well. Um, I can see some people saying, but it's a bit slow and you know, it takes half an hour to, for you to figure out what this movie's about. And yes, that is <laughs> the case. Uh, that is definitely the case. And I think the, half, the first half hour, maybe even the first, like, five minutes will lose people which is fair enough i mean if you're not into watching long shots of people digging for two minutes without really saying anything then sure you know this isn't for you but if it is your sort of thing or you want to watch something a little different to what you usually check out this is the one to do that for right now because Mm. it's super charming it's really fun and it's just, it's just a beautiful movie to look at as well. It's shot in the 4-3 aspect ratio. So that's similar to uh, the Nightingale from last year, for example. It, it seems to be something that a lot of these um, period dramas are kind of going for. The Lighthouse from last year as well, the horror film The Lighthouse. I was about to say that, yeah. Yeah, that was shot in that fashion for a different reason i think that was shot in that fashion to make sure you stared right at the action that was happening and didn't mm. look away <laughs> because everything in that movie the visuals are, are very important and you got to like pay attention to understand what the heck's going on although who directed mad max fury road uh george miller yeah yeah i should have remembered that but yeah, you could do his genius take which was just basically have everything literally center frame mm. <laughs> Yes. It was genius. The he put it basically hair trigger not hair trigger, what is it? Um uh crosshair? Crosshairs. Yeah. He put crosshair, I think, on while he was filming on the uh monitor while while he can uh monitor what's what the lens is picking up and so that he could then just center everything and it was really clever. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I haven't seen the film. I actually don't want to. Uh I'm huh. anyway. Oh, why not? Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Mel Gibson, so I'd have to watch the other ones to get the previous story, I'd imagine. Uh, there is... I don't even think it's the same character. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe I'll just watch that one. Maybe I won't yeah. watch it. <laughs> I think George Miller is... He hasn't confirmed it, but basically everyone's saying it's... Aside from the general look of the apocalypse, it, yeah. it, it, there's nothing really tying them together. Well, I don't see why it couldn't be another corner of the country. <laughs> yeah, for sure, exactly. <laughs> it's a big place. <laughs> yeah, no, that film is incredible. And yeah, I love that because it came out the same year as, was it Transformers 4 or something? <laughs> In which the um, Lindsay Ellis has a really good video essay on it as well i think her video is called why you can't remember anything that happens in a transformers movie Mm. 
They didn't have a tripod. And it's basically, yeah, because <laughs> your your focus is pulled everywhere in the frame. Yep. You're constantly looking everywhere because it's all shaky cam and it's nonsense and it means nothing. You don't know what's going on. Mm. Whereas with Fury Road, you remember everything because, you know, you've, you're focusing on everything, you know. It's, yeah. it's really well done. Very clever. Yeah. Um, Sorry, back to this film. <laughs> that's about all I've probably got to say about it. I thought mm-hmm. it was great. I would give it two thumbs up. Excellent. It's not a five out of five film yet for me, though. Still haven't gotten one this year. I'd say the one thing holding it back is the scenes at nighttime are very, very, very dark. There is no natural lighting. There's no artificial lighting for the scenes. So you're pretty much just looking at nighttime. Yeah. Slightly lighted up by the moon. So if your TV isn't great, like the one I was watching this on... Or mine. Yeah, you (laughs) kind of get to squint a little or... Follow the audio cues to understand what's going on, mm-hmm. which is annoying. Don't use Game of Thrones as your <laughs> as your inspiration. Yeah, exactly. Like, which is why I, I think it, it would have been awesome to see this in cinema. You know, it's a shame that it got pulled from that yeah. slate. Um, but at the same time, I'm glad that they released it now because I think we need films like this right now. Like, it was really kind of charming and yeah. kind of cheered me up a little, even oh, though good. it's it paints a depressing picture of the 1800s times. <laughs> Oh, I, it was terrible, like, especially Gold Rush. I live in um, northeast Victoria. We have got the cell where Ned Kelly was held before he was taken down to Melbourne and executed. Ah, yeah, okay. So it's very Gold Rushy era. Mm. And there's an asylum here, like the remnants of an asylum, because people would be digging and mining for months in winter. It's muddy, it's cold. They've made their family move to this area. And then suddenly, just next to them, someone would get lucky and get a, a nugget of gold the size of their fist and be set up for the rest of their life. Mm. But right next to them, this other person has got nothing still and has to keep going. So, of course, people will go mad. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, you know, people say, you know, the gold rush is great. That's where we discovered <laughs> gold and commerce and all that. No, the human effect of it was terrible. Yeah, places like um, Sovereign Hill here in Melbourne really glorify mm. the gold rush. And I guess that is more of a school excursion place. So, yeah, you kind of want to do that for kids. But oh, there are many parts of it, I guess, like uh, the engineering and ingenuity of some of the people. Because sometimes you can dig and mine depending on how rich the ground is with gold just where wherever you are but there are parts of this place which have got a lot of granite like the hills are made out of rock basically mm-hmm. and they experimented with explosives to try and make a channel to try and get water moving so the, there are lots of great uh feats that it inspired through engineering yep but i always just think of the human toll i'd make a terrible mm. politician because i have, <laughs> i've got empathy uh, a lot of which a lot of them don't and uh, you know i i can't i could kind of see how the economies of the various countries that had major gold rushes obviously benefited from it mm-hmm. but the the average joe person didn't <laughs> yeah for sure and the economies for years never come back to the average Joe person. I'm going to stop talking now because I get very political. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say anything or confirm if I agree or disagree with you to avoid emails. Very well. If, if you have an email, please send it to Nerdout, but address it to Reese. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> to do that. To that, not yes. to what you were saying. <laughs> or do I? We'll never know. I'm apolitical on the podcast. No, I'm joking. I'm just very political all the time, ever. <laughs> um, that's why we're the dynamic duo. No. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, that reminds me. There's a great um, TikTok. I'm not on TikTok. I only watched it because my friend shared it on Facebook. But um, <laughs> there's, this, there's a guy who had a conversation between Batman and Robin. And it's like, all right, we're just, there's a bat signal. We need to go save the day. Put your mask on. And Robin goes, no, actually, masks don't help. They're not good. I'm not going to wear a mask. And uh, he says, "What? It'll protect your identity. It's it's good. You know, mm-hmm. we need to we need to be secret. We, we, we're a symbol." And um, he says, "Yeah, but the Joker doesn't wear it. He goes, you know, freeballing it basically, or something like that." And uh, Batman goes, "Yeah, but he's a villain, a, a mass murderer. So you're just a big guy and a hero because you wear a mask." He says, "Well, yeah, that that keeps my identity secret and it keeps people I love safe." Mm. And then he's like, "Look, I don't want to. It's just this, you know, figure eight thing over my eyes. I can't even see when I put it on." It says. Batman says, okay, we'll organize a different one for you, but you are going to wear your COVID mask. Oh, yeah, I'm not a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's good. That reminds me of a meme I saw of uh, John Travolta uh, walking down the street, and the caption was, glad to see Nicolas Cage is wearing his mask. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I mean, yours is better, but, you know. <laughs> no, I like him. <laughs> I, I love the mask stuff that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've got that recorded. Hmm? He just said, I love the mask. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Reference to Oldie Buddy Goody from last year. <laughs> exactly. Literally a year ago now, isn't it? Uh, Yeah. 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 Actually, on that note, speaking of something that was a year ago, yesterday you made a post about how the page for a very old podcast that is no longer available called The Undertaking, which was an Arrowverse podcast. Yeah. was getting likes, like 30 likes a day last year. Now it's up to like 70 likes a day. Why is the page still getting likes? I don't know what is happening. <laughs> the show isn't available anywhere. No. Arrow is finished. <laughs> Arrow is done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know it says Arrowverse, but we started talking about Arrow because that was the first show there was. We never really talked about the Arrowverse. I think we did one episode on like the first half of Flash season one, and that was about it. That's how old it is. The Flash had only just started. <laughs> exactly. It's it's so weird because yeah, yeah, like the episodes aren't available anywhere. No. The podcast host we were with was bad, and they pulled all our episodes when we stopped uploading. And um, I could re-upload them, but I don't know where they are. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have copies of my old podcast actually. I probably should have done that, but eh. Ah well. Sometimes I'm happy I don't because I'm also like I would cringe like crazy listening to them. Oh god, yeah. My voice hadn't broken in the first few ones I did. I'm I swear. Oh yeah, same actually probably. <laughs> I'm surprised anyone ever listened to that stuff that I used to do by myself. I just wish that sort of traffic would come to things I'm currently doing. <laughs> exactly. Come on, guys. Yeah. That good on you. If you're not not listening, look, it's fine. We get it. But if you are listening, you're awesome. We get it. We don't advertise enough. <laughs> but yes, if you're listening, you're awesome. Thank you. Uh, what's some other stuff you've been consuming? Oh, well, um, yeah, let's get into the gaming world because I'm a gamer now. Um, I think I mentioned last time in the things I want to consume uh, was Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, yeah. And oh, my God, that game is beautiful. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, it's so good. I downloaded it and just the opening... Uh, what is it? Um, cutscene, mm-hmm. just beautiful. Or although I like the new term that games are using, cinematic. <laughs> cinematic, yeah. <laughs> to make it seem more cinematic. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's really, really lovely. Great concept. I, I don't know how far I'm in. Probably just two hours, but okay. Still, really nice. Main character is really good. Yep. Her father, adopted father, basically. 
really nice. I've got mm-hmm. a bad feeling that it's not going to end well for him because this is a a story about her. She's on the poster. We I've never heard of him before. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's you know the master who's trained her and all these great skills. And you know it, it's setting up for it to end badly for him. But anyway. Very cute little story between them so far. Um, great concept. Like, I thought it was going to be a medieval Viking type thing. And as it turns out, it's because, you know, the world basically collapsed. So yeah. we're, the humans have regressed and then animals have been replaced by robots, basically. It's really... Robot dinosaurs? Robot dinosaurs, yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah, good point. It's so cool. It's very cool. Yeah, it's so fun. Yeah. I'm very excited for you to work your way through this world because it's just very it's such a it's one of those games quite like the last of us where you want to know everything that happened like you <laughs> you you will read every piece of paper you come across you yeah. will listen to every like audio tape you find like mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those it's so much fun it's very good so far and the combat is so exciting as well it's so cool. oh yeah and the what are they not like trip wires but i'm just going to call them that they're really fun mm. yeah definitely the electrified ones that you can uh, ground an enemy for a little bit and then come and beat them up. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's a really good one. And it looks gorgeous, like I said, yeah. So I don't have too much to say about the story because only a couple of hours in. Got a lot to go, obviously, but I'm interested. So it seems like my theory is maybe only certain humans are compatible with the machines, which is why she can put that thing on the side of her temple and, and use it mm-hmm. and kind of integrate with the technological world. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why she was outcast. Um, I don't know. I'll find mm. out. I won't confirm or deny. Mainly because <laughs> I don't want to spoil. Also, because I can't remember. <laughs> Fair enough. <Yeah. laughs> um, I will say the story takes... It's quite like First Cow. Uh, the first <laughs> act is very long and doesn't really give you m- many hints towards what the game is actually about. Mm. But I really like the opening a lot as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I remember you saying it takes a while. I assume the first act is kind of the, oh, what's it called? Basically the big event that she wants to do to prove herself to Mm. the rest of the world. Yeah. And that makes sense. That's a big story moment. It's being built up quite a lot. Yeah, definitely. Like if this was turned turned into a a movie, that would probably be the movie. (laughs) Yeah, or if it was a trilogy, that'd be part one. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, great stuff. Another fun game, which I haven't gotten too much further in, is Uncharted 2. Nice. Having a bit of fun. Uh, the British guy who I thought was fun is a little less fun now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was wondering when you'd get to that point. <laughs> he does it in a fun way, but he's a mm. he's an ass. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, where am I up to? Not far at all. It's like another hour past where I was previously, mm-hmm. but good stuff. Are you finding the gameplay to be a bit better than the first one? I am, yeah. You can actually, you know, move around a little bit more. <laughs> it felt very directed in the first one yeah. to go to a specific spot, whereas now you can find even more places of cover. It's more fluid because it was made for the next generation of console, wasn't it? Yeah, one of the first on PlayStation 3, I think. Mm-hmm. Pretty early on, yeah. Yeah, but it's good fun. I really like Nolan North. I actually hadn't seen oh, yes. or played much that he's in before Last of Us, mm-hmm. and then Uncharted, and he's really good. I can see why the gaming community see him and Troy Baker as two of the best. Yes. Oh, speaking of Troy Baker, uh, this isn't on my list because I just finished downloading it this morning and started playing it. If you didn't know, for four more days, you can get the campaign for the remastered Call of Duty 2, Modern Warfare 2, sorry, mm-hmm. uh, for free. They've added it as another game for free 
Oh, wow. On PlayStation Plus. All right, I got to go grab that. Awesome. Yes. I started playing it and I thought, hang on a sec. I know that voice. Yeah. Fucking Troy Baker. He's in everything. And I didn't mean that in a disparaging way, but he's in everything. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like they actually added some more voices for some of the incidental characters in this. They kind of talk to each other a bit more. Okay. And I heard Will Arnett as well. Oh, really? Yeah. He just plays another soldier and it's like, do you remember that, that level at the start of it where you you have to fire across a river and then get across the bridge where they, they lay one of the temporary uh, bridges and you get across it? Yeah. But before you go, some uh, fighters come in and launch a missile at a tall building? Uh, vaguely, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a bit where it's like, wait, hang on, which building is it? Is it that one on the left or that one on the right? It's the tall one, stupid. And I think that was Will Arnett and someone else. <laughs> nice. That's really cool. Yeah. So it makes it feel a bit more alive. And you actually hear... Your character, Joseph Allen, who is Troy Baker, mm. talking with another soldier on the, what's it called? Humvee? Whatever it is, the vehicle that you're on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that was that was quite fun. I have only played a little bit of that because it just downloaded it. Um, but yeah, it's funny that he just literally gets everywhere. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I was listening to him on the podcast you recommended last week as well. Ah, I yes. checked out the episode on the Goats of Tashuma and his, I, I was actually quite surprised by his real life voice because it's very similar to Joel, but also yeah, Joel just sounds so much older. And I'm looking at him and going, "You voice Joel, but you don't look that old." Oh, yeah. And you don't sound that old, but you do when you're Joel, and that is like top notch voice acting, being able to change how old you sound. Yeah, he's phenomenal. There are scenes in part two. I'm not going to go too much into detail, but there are moments. He's an old man in that game. Mm. Like the second one, he's probably... He's got to be 50 by then or something like that, hasn't he? Yeah, I think so. If not more. Yeah. And he just sounds so weary, kind of tired. <laughs> but then he has a bit more fun every now and again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just quickly. Yeah? I um I realized during one sequence that you can turn on your torch and if the center of your light is shining in Joel's face. He's like, oh, get that out of my face. I've been doing that a bunch. It's really funny. Oh, I want to do that more. (laughs) Uh, So, 20 hours in, uh, have you seen the museum? Yes, that was so good. Oh, that sequence. Uh, I'm going to talk about that. I've gotten up to that again in my replay, and it's just so nice. mm. (laughs) such a sweet sequence. Yeah. But just their little interactions together are hilarious. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's great. Did you pick up the phone in the office in that sequence? Yep. 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 <laughs> oh, no, all the dinosaurs are out. Oh, hang on, one's come in. Joel, it's for you. <laughs> so good. Uh, uh, I love him. But yeah, he's actually 44, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah, but still, he... Um, have you seen the making of documentary for The First Last of Us? Oh, I don't think I... Ha- I think I've seen clips from it. I don't think I saw the whole thing. I should. Yeah, it's amazing. It's about two hours long. It's on YouTube. It's called Grounded, The Making of The Last of Us or something like that. Mm. But he came in and he looks nothing like Joel. <laughs> and he, especially then he had like this, I didn't really like the haircut, uh, but that's that's just his choice. <laughs> but he had this like <laughs> very blonde hair, didn't look much like him, did an incredible scene with um, Ashley Johnson, who I just adore. She's amazing. <laughs> and basically just got the part from the audition. And they talk about that in the making of, and you see it. Like you see what he looked like, and you hear the director say, look, he, he looks nothing like him. I, I don't know if I could cast him, but then he does the scene, and it's like, I can cast him. <laughs> yeah. 
That's the last thing, by the way. You mentioned the podcast. Play, watch, listen. That's the last thing I've been consuming. In fact, they yes. released a new episode today Ooh. when we decided that we would uh, record this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was last minute, but that's the show. So, Oh, yeah. It's funny. We've been quite relaxed about when we'll do it. We know it's Saturday, but we don't know exactly what time. Mm. And we'd penciled in the guest, but then it's like, oh, but this game is really long. Let's just not confirm that just yet. And that was going to be 12 hours from when we started today <laughs> yeah exactly and then i just said do you want to record earlier in the evening this is last night i said do you want to record earlier in the evening tomorrow and he said yeah sure why not and then this morning's like actually you want to do it right now sort of thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i don't mind <laughs> it's yeah. the weekend i'm free <laughs> it's fine yeah totally yeah <laughs> but yeah that podcast is great i've now i think i'm caught up except for yeah i'm on the episode just before the one they released today nice so i'll probably listen to two episodes today Ooh. But it's fantastic stuff. They're really insightful people talking about just all the technical aspects of it. For those of you who didn't hear my discussion about it last time, I'll briefly say that it's four people within the games industry. There's Troy Baker, who we are just talking about. He's a voice actor. There's Alana Pierce, who is a games journalist. Mm-hmm. And there is Austin Wintry, who's a composer, who did uh, the music for Journey. He did the music for Assassin's Creed Syndicate. He's basically very talented quite respected composer in the games industry. And there's Mike Bithell, who's uh, one of the most charming people I've ever heard on a podcast, I think. <laughs> he's quite <laughs> lovely. lovely. Nice. And he's a games director and a coder, by the way. They, they like to emphasize the fact that he doesn't just have one job, he does two. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, actually, they did get, within the first few episodes, they did get some comments saying, guys, you need a coder. Like, it's very nice to have a director there. And it's a... <laughs> Is a matter of, well, actually, <laughs> he's done both. Mm-hmm. But yeah, really insightful stuff. They're not afraid to talk about the business side of things and how sometimes, kind of like I was saying with the Unicorn Store, people want to be creative and tell the stories, but it's decided that money is a big factor, like with movies. Yeah, yeah, that's a good story, but it's not going to sell enough in this market or something like that. And you're just like, but don't you want to do something good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and they're not afraid to say that, which I like. I, I respect mm. that in people. Like Mike Bithell made a comment about, I think it was Ubisoft. Yep. And then he said, oh, I'm not going to get my Far Cry 6 code then <laughs> to play that early. Oh, well. Yeah, a bunch of stuff has come out about that studio, which is really gross. Um, well, yeah, I think that was before that news he made. He said something. I, I think he's had dealings with them in the past. So. <laughs> yeah. They're, mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently, like, for five years, what's recently come out has been going on for five years it seems or something like that so yeah and they knew about it and didn't do anything so that's you know pretty gross yeah still play assassin's creed valhalla though oh yeah i really should start boycotting stuff no that's fine and uh what about um what's that one with the guy from the mandalorian and breaking bad oh that is far cry 6 (laughs) oh yeah gene color espositos in far cry 6 that's right yes and i it looks like him even though it's obviously a motion capture of him (laughs) Mm, yeah no it's pretty phenomenal yeah it looks spot on and his voice in the trailer is good probably will play that just for him and i'm not a big far cry fan i'll be honest but i do love him a lot yeah i i ended up buying far cry 5 because it was on sale for like six dollars oh wow uh, it was very cheap considering <laughs> yeah. it came out a couple of years ago mm. and um i'm interested i played the second one and it was all right i played the third one didn't like it but i'm really interested in the story I don't really care about the gameplay, but like I'm interested mm. in the story, and they're quite short, so I'm probably just go through them really quickly. Yeah, just because I like the whole villains of it, and of course the performances as well. You know, so yeah, 
Yeah. But yeah, so great podcast, really insightful. The people are hilarious together. They're obviously good friends. And like I said, they're not afraid to take shots at people who deserve to have shots fired at them. <laughs> there was a great one where they, Ubisoft did like a, a launch thing about their new games coming up and they didn't mention the news of some of their staff had to be fired because of all the stuff going on within their establishment. Yeah. And, uh, Alana said their their stance was that it was pre-recorded and Mike just says, yeah, well, we all know it takes a couple of weeks to record a two-minute video to <laughs> make this statement, doesn't it? <laughs> he says on an hour-long video podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was really good of him to call out nonsense like that. Yeah, for sure. I was going to say one more thing. Oh, yeah, there was a great bit. I can't remember what episode it is, but they were talking about pitching games and um, to studios and developers and whatnot. Oh, cool. And uh, Alana asked, have you guys ever been involved in pitching anything? And they all cringe. And she goes, ah, I guess you have. And then they talk about pitching things for a while. And then Mike laughs and says, uh, the only reason why we cringed is because we were all involved in the same exact project that we all pitched together. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to name who to or anything like that, but it didn't go well, obviously. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, dear. Anything else that you've consumed? Uh, I've got two more things. Oh, yes. Very quickly, I finished Money Heist. Uh, ah, yeah. Season two, part four. It's just part four, I guess. <laughs> uh, it's great. I loved it. Um, I think the second, yeah, the second half of season two. Oh, it's, it's part four. It's just part four. It was great. I think it's the best the show has been in terms of uh, tension, which mm. is to say something, because that show's pretty intense, but... It's about a heist, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, the stuff that happens in that in that half season is that part is incredible. Wait, also, is it still the same heist? Uh, spoilers. No, 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 it's a separate heist. It's a second heist. Okay, good. I, I didn't know how they'd managed to get two seasons out of one heist. <laughs> <laughs> it's a second heist. Yeah, good. Yeah, and um, uh, and just today actually, Netflix announced uh, fifth and final part is out probably next year oh okay so i think they're gonna wrap it up which is interesting because hmm. from the end of of the part that i just saw it does seem like they're making some pretty heartbreaking decisions and oh. i was not ready for something that happened and it it, it's, it it was quite heartbreaking for sure um but then to help that decision go down they announced that one of my favorite spanish actors M miguel angel Silvestri, who was in sense eight is going to be in the final season and i i love that guy yeah. he's he was um yeah he was the actor in sense eight and he was so good in that show, and I'm very excited to see what he brings to this because he is phenomenal. I'm a massive fan of his, and uh, mm. yeah, it's really good. I would give the second uh, part four. I hate how Netflix are doing this. I would give part four two thumbs up. How about you don't do it the way Netflix are doing it? Just say this is the second half of season two because that's what all shows that have split seasons do. Because <laughs> I think the final part is only going to be eight episodes, so which means it's technically a half season to wrap up. The season. So it's three seasons. That's but what it's... Game of Thrones did. <laughs> That's true, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Netflix, I like you, but get over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's great. I would give the second half of season two mm -hmm. two thumbs up. I thought it was excellent. The season as a whole, probably one thumb up. Okay, yeah. I think it's great. And I think, although, yeah, I will say wait until the next one's out, just because of how long the wait might be. Does it end on a cliffhanger? I won't confirm, not yet. 
<laughs> you can confirm that. It doesn't give away what it is. Um, yeah, it does end on, end on a pretty big cliffhanger. It doesn't tell you that Jon Snow dies. I mean, <laughs> oh no, it does. That was the ending, actually. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. No wonder I mentioned Game of Thrones. They crossed over. <laughs> <laughs> the um, the heist ends, and the narrator Tokyo says, "Oh, by the way, Jon Snow dies in Game of Thrones." Oh. <laughs> and then the credits roll. And you're like, what? <laughs> I was going to make a much more current reference, but... Yeah, it was strange. I'm going to play it safe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really good. It's really good. It's really good. I like that show a lot. And the actress Alba Flores, in particular, mm. is phenomenal. Uh, I don't think she gets as much love as she deserves for this for this performance, because she's excellent. So yes, good show. Check it out if you want. If you mm. don't want to, that's fine as well. Yeah. Uh, weird movie. A weird movie. Yes. With Sandra? Maybe. Wait, that doesn't sound right. Weird Movies with Sandro. Second film I watched last night. Mm. A little Australian Mm? drama horror. Oh, I know what this is. Called Relic. Yeah, I've talked to you about this movie. So it's on Stan, came out on Stan a couple weeks ago. Garnered a lot of attention mm-hmm. worldwide at Sundance in January. A lot of critics were loving it. I think it's released in America through IFC, who do a lot of uh, smaller horror films. And then here in Australia, it's streaming on Stan. Which, for international listeners, is a streaming service with a person's name. <laughs> yep. Like Dave in the UK. Exactly. Exactly. Or HBO Max. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> My best friend HBO likes that he's got a yeah. streaming service named after him. Did you see that HBO Max has started like a comic book series? Oh, yeah. To plug the streaming stuff. Yeah, I yeah, I didn't like that. <laughs> I didn't I haven't read it or anything, but just no. the idea of it is cringy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um okay, it stars Emily Mortimer and Bella Heathcote directed by first-time feature film director Natalie Erica James. It's also produced by Jake Gyllenhaal and executive produced by the Russo Brothers, which was pretty cool. I've heard of them. Yeah, they did Extraction. (laughs) They did Netflix's Extraction. (laughs) And Jake Gyllenhaal is in... What's the small film he's done? Um, Uh, uh, Not Brokeback Mountain, that was pretty big. Um... (laughs) Uh, Oh! um... I just thought of a connection, by the way. Oh, yeah. Gustavo Santonalia, who did the music for The Last of Us Parts 1 and 2, mm. did the music for Brokeback Mountain. Oh, there we go. Yeah, there we go. That makes a lot of sense, actually. It does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what's the, um, what's a small movie he was in? Uh, Homecoming? Oh, wait, that was pretty big. No, Far From Home. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, We're just playing about their big names what? in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, what's the premise? The premise is it's, 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 uh, it's family, Australian family living out near Geelong down my way. Oh, that is down your way. Yeah. I hope they're wearing masks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, nice. (laughs) Uh, there's a mum and a daughter and they go to visit the grandma because the grandma's been, uh, acting a little strange lately. She's got a history of, uh, possible dementia coming on. Uh. And the whole film is an allegory about losing your memories and losing your mind and that sort of stuff. It's kind of like a crossover between The Babadook and Hereditary. The Babadook being that popular 
Australian horror film from like 2013, I think it was. Pretty incredible. That film's great. And then the and then the director went on to do The Nightingale from last year. And then of course Hereditary, one of the scariest movies of the decade. Um, <laughs> Heard a lot about Hereditary. It's very good. Very good. This film, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, I really don't. From a drama perspective, there's some really interesting ideas, and I quite like the concepts. I think there's some cool stuff in there, uh, especially about dementia and that kind of um, the way that they portray that in the house, which is where the horror aspect comes in. Uh, Yep. I'm trying to think of how much I can say without giving (laughs) away the point, but then also the trailer gives away the whole point. So I'll just say that maybe the house and the stuff inside the house is connected to her memories, and that's kind of how they show that she's you know, losing her memories. Mm. Uh, the problem is, I think this film is trying too hard to be a horror. Yeah, I saw, again, your Instagram story. I thought you summed that up pretty well. I, obviously, I haven't seen it, but maybe it was trying to be the wrong horror is kind of what you implied. Yeah, it's trying very hard to be the sort of horror where a character is walking down a hallway and there's like a forking path and they look one way and there's nothing there. And they're like, oh, I want to go there, but I'm going to quickly look behind me. Camera pans behind them. It's empty there as well. Pans back to the hallway and uh, jump scare. Something's happened. Something's yeah. changed. It's very not scary because we see it in every single film. I'm so, I'm so sick of it. Cheap scare. <laughs> Do you know how you avoid that? How? You don't watch the horrors. <laughs> you don't watch you don't watch bad horrors. Well this had a lot of promise. It's got ninety two percent on Rotten Tomatoes as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of critics that I respect liked it a lot. And the thing is, it feels bad for me to say this because it is an Australian production. Yeah. And Australian films, Australian TV shows What are they? There is a bit of a tall poppy <laughs> syndrome in Australia from Australians. We don't like Australian things. That's an Australian thing. Uh, weirdly, our country's got a lot of that, and it's annoying. But also, a lot of stuff we make isn't very good. It's because we don't get enough funding in the arts industry, so the exactly. arts industry has to make it cheap, has to make it quick, has to make it quite generic, and you can't do very yeah. many experimental things. Yeah, there's a lot of Australian movies yeah, that feel like they've got great ideas, but a p- particular government-funded production company Mm. are always like, you've got to appeal to the largest market, which they won't because of the concept. And you could do it with a quarter of most other films in the world, (laughs) the budget for it. Exactly. Yeah. And even like a quarter of other low-budget films in the world, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's so small. And advertising, (laughs) what's that? Yeah, and (laughs) it feels like a lot of the money here went to the lead, Emily Mortimer, Mm-hmm. who is a British... God, get out. <laughs> who is an English actress. She's in um Mary Poppins Returns, which oh, okay. she's quite good in. She's also amazing in Shutter Island and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Uh, and she's pretty good in this, but again, get an Australian, because her yeah. accent's not good. Her accent, she's... <laughs> she goes in between Australian and British so much, well, and it's very distracting. She could be from Adelaide. true uh the thing is though you've got a grandmother who is Ah. well no you've got her mother and then you've got her daughter and they're both very australian because they are Mm -hmm. played by australians but she in the middle has this weird kind of accent that doesn't quite work 
especially in the more tense sequences, because she's got to do some tense acting, and therefore loses the accent a, a little. So yeah, uh, a bit of a mess there, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's a shame. I really wanted to like this one, but it, it didn't quite do it for me, it, just based off the genre choice, I think, really. That's fair enough. I think it's based off a short film the director made, though, so I, I might check out that short film mm. and see you if it's an improvement. I'm not, I don't know. I've got such mixed feelings about that sort of thing because I heard it's Australian and I thought, oh, I'll watch that. I'll support that. I'll be another viewer for Stan to count towards this. But then I just Mm. thought, but it's also horror. I'm not the biggest fan. Um, But I do want to try and support as many Australian things I can. That isn't freaking reality TV. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or what's that thing they're doing on Amazon? The Last Laugh or something like that? Uh, the last one, stat, whatever it is, it's ridiculous. Oh, Rebel Wilson holding a bunch of comedians, a bunch of famous comedians who are on every single TV show. Usually good comedians. Yeah. But in this, it's literally just... The thing is, if you laugh, you're out of the game, and the last person to laugh wins the game. But they don't do funny things. They just do slapstick, and it's ridiculous. And yep. People I've respected for a long time are just doing it Probably for money, and ugh, I don't like it. And they're all from the One Talent Agency as well. Ah, there you go. (laughs) That's that's the thing about Australian TV, especially for comedians. It's usually one of two agencies (laughs) that get TV shows, which is a shame. It really is. There is that one, um, the stay-at-home comedian thing in Australia is apparently pretty good. I got some friends who who were on that. That's on Stan, though, isn't it? I think that's on Stan, yeah. And, and Stan, they do great things. I mean, they gave Matt O'Kine a TV show. That's great. <laughs> He's a cool dude. Hmm. Did Michelle Brazier have yep. something yep. on it? Yeah, I thought Yeah, so. she had a special. i got to check also, that out. Also very cool, cool Australian yeah. people doing cool Australian things. We need to support that more. <laughs> Definitely. And... Yes, we should support films like Relic more because I'm glad that this was made. Yeah. I'm glad that this went through this particular Australian production company and and it was original. I'm amazed also that it attracted the Russo brothers and Jake Gyllenhaal. I didn't that as well. realize that until I read about that last night. Yeah, especially for a debut feature film as well yeah. from an Australian director. Did she work on a Russo Brothers production or did she direct Jake Gyllenhaal before or something like She's that? She's done two short films and then this, so I don't know. Wow. That's amazing. It definitely is. And yeah, I just, I I wish I liked it more. Unfortunately, I didn't. Uh, I think it was a bit, bit bit of a mess. But again, I you know, of course I support Australians making art like this. Why wouldn't I? Mm. So I think if I were to rate it, it's probably a high schmear. Mm-hmm. A schmear? Schmear? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's take this moment to remind our listeners, because we might potentially have new listeners. Hello. About our rating system. <laughs> yes, hello. <laughs> <laughs> so there's two thumbs down for something that is terrible. Mm-hmm. Have we given anything two thumbs downs yet? I feel like we'd have, maybe. I probably have. I don't, no, I don't know. Oh, Artemis fell. <laughs> oh, yeah, we did. <laughs> I tried to wipe that from my memory, but yeah, yeah. I did. Uh, there's a one thumb down. Mm-hmm. What's that the equivalent of? Like a two out of five? Yeah, well, like a two. Yeah, I'd say so. Maybe, yeah. There's a schmear, which is kind of very middle of the road. Mm. Almost like, yeah, I watched it, wouldn't watch it again. And what Sandro just gave this was a schmear, which is, I try to view that as a kind of, look, it was a, it was good. I could see where the, the effort was there. I appreciate that it was made, which is what he just said. I also look at it as, I'd probably watch that again at some point. 
Mm-hmm. If it came on TV, I'd sit and watch it or something like that. It's how I treat a schmear. Uh, there's one thumb up. And then <laughs> we've been adding like the strength of the thumb as well. <laughs> so yes. I remember something was given a Dwayne The Rock Johnson thumb where it's not oh, perfect, yeah. but it's really good. Yeah. So it might even be like an eight out of ten. <laughs> Mm, for sure. But there's a Danny DeVito one, which, you know, it was good. <laughs> that was for Jumanji. Yes. That was for Jumanji, yeah. It was good, but it's it's not an eight, so that's probably six or seven. Yeah, definitely. And then two thumbs up would obviously be 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's our bizarre rating system, but we, we're going to use it because we like it. Definitely. It's been a no-doubt tradition since 2017, that rating <laughs> system, and I will never give up on it, no matter how many people tell me it's confusing. <laughs> You'll never surrender. I will never. I will die on this hill. <laughs> That's a term I never used before I talked with you about something. I love that term. <laughs> uh, there's a great, uh, I think it's online somewhere, but Alana Pierce used to work at IGN, mm-hmm. and there's a rating scale, and I think it's written somewhere. But basically, the head of IGN told her, if you're struggling to figure out what you'd give it in terms of a score, think of the words... That you'd say if you if I approach you in a street and got a asked a one word review from you, what would you give it? Sort of thing. So, one is unbearable for them. Two is mm. painful. <laughs> three is awful. Four is bad. Five is mediocre. Six is okay. <laughs> seven is good. Eight is great. Yeah. Nine is amazing, and ten is a masterpiece. Yeah. And so I try to look at it like that. If you hear shmeh, what do you think that is? It's like. It was made. It was good. I'm not like you know tearing it to pieces. Mm, yeah. If you hear schmear, it's like yeah, whatever. I watched yeah. it. It was good. <laughs> you just yeah. need to listen to the tone of voice. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I I didn't know about that rating scale that IGN has. I actually really like that because that's kind of how I think of things as well. I don't mind it. Yeah. The problem with IGN is that they are shills. Uh, what? I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to get a code. Um, <laughs> no, but um. I just like that idea. I, I tend not to think of the numbers out of a rating thing. I tend to think about how I feel about it. Because mm. I think it also depends on the mood. Because I like a good modern warfare game. I'd forgotten that I do until today when I started playing it again. Because I I discovered them and just played through them a lot. And I got kind of tired of it. And considered them just to be point and shoot, basically kind of a bit boring. But yeah, for sure. no, the stories are much better than <laughs> than that sort of, than you give it credit for. So mm. it just depends on how... Mm. Definitely, yeah. How you're feeling at the time. So I like a feelings-based <laughs> yeah, yeah. rating. I think that's why I, I like like my end-of-year lists. I revisit them a lot and kind of like re-rank it a lot at the end of the year for our mm. end-of-year episodes. Because, yeah, I think in the moment and also give stuff time does, you know, it does change your opinion, of course. Yeah. I do approve, though. I know you said they're shields, but I do approve of what they've got listed in the Masterpiece category. They've got the first Last of Us. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> Yes, of course they do. Of course yes. it is. <laughs> I think also Call of Duty Black Ops 2 got like 8 out of 10, and they were the only people to give it that. Huh. Or <laughs> something like that. I don't know. There was one review that, that they posted that caused some drama online for some reason. I thought mm. it was very funny. Because they didn't agree with me. How dare they post an opinion that isn't mine. It's terrible. Oh. Opinions. They're strange things, aren't they? Yeah. They Speaking are. of opinions, mm-hmm. it's time for, hey, what do you want to have opinions <laughs> about next week? What do I want to have opinions about next week? I like that one. <laughs> um, what do I want to have an opinion about? You know, this is the one segment of the show I'm never prepared for. I make a list of the things that I have consumed. I can't, I'm not thinking about what I want to consume. <laughs> um, 
I'm going to pass it over to you while I think about that. <laughs> if that's okay. Okay. Uh, finish Last of Us 2. Oh, yes. That's the obvious one. Uh, which you will know if I have done or haven't done based off the title of next week's episode. <laughs> uh, featuring guest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I don't think I'm going to start it during the week, but Bill Hodge's uh, number three... Mm-hmm. End of Watch by Stephen King. I, I, I want to get a start on that. It's the shortest one in the series as well. It's like three hundred and fifty pages, so that shouldn't take too long. Yeah. I really want to watch The Rental. Oh yeah, Dave Franco's directorial debut, starring Dan Stevens <laughs> and of course his wife Alison Brie. I think I mentioned it previously, but she posted a picture saying this film is coming out soon. It was directed by my incredibly talented husband. I entirely forgot they were married. And I thought, Oh, who is this young indie director who no one's ever heard about? Oh wait. Yeah. It's Franco, isn't it? Dave Franco. Dave Franco. Yeah. I'm really interested to see what key. I don't know too much about him as a person. I feel like I know a lot about James Franco just because that's his personality, but I don't know anything about Dave Franco aside from his performances. I think Dave Franco chooses the wise option of staying quiet while his brother <laughs> runs amok. <laughs> I think you're right, yeah. I've got such mixed feelings. Like I, mm, There have been accusations, obviously, of misbehaviour with James Franco. Oh, yeah. But some of them, I think, were just kind of like, sure, he made you feel uncomfortable, but I don't think he did anything wrong, per se. Mm. And uh, talent should never be an excuse, because Kevin Spacey's great, but he's also... Ugh. Terrible human being. Gross, yeah. Uh, that reminds me. Quick anecdote. You'll probably hear this when you listen to Play, Watch, Listen, but they were talking about Call of Duty, and Troy said, oh, I'm in those, up until the one <coughs> with Kevin Spacey. <laughs> <laughs> Just the way he said it was hilarious. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. James Franco, I think the problem with him is that there was a period of time where his ego got the better of him, so oh yeah, that's where he would have cross yeah. those boundaries but i think he's humbled a bit and I, I do think he is quite a talented guy and again talent shouldn't excuse anything i'm not saying that but i think i think having things come back to confront him has caused him to grow up mm. and like i said i think dave made the wise choice of just staying quiet publicly <laughs> yeah 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 james has always felt like a big old party boy yeah uh, and yeah i think he's confronted that more than say uh toby mcguire has for example who's still you know doing his thing is he i've literally not seen much of toby mcguire since spider-man actually yeah 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 exactly yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i will get into it i'm gonna look that up i think he made a, a movie with leonardo DiCaprio. oh yeah no the character that michael Sarah plays in that film about gambling is based off Tobey Maguire in real life. Oh. And it's the worst. <laughs> oh. Can't remember what the film was called. Molly's Game. That's it. Oh, really? Yeah, Michael Sarah's character in Molly's Game is based off Tobey Maguire. Yeah, which is, yeah, apparently just how he is. So, great. Um, anyway. Yeah, I, I wasn't aware. <laughs> yeah. Some other things I want to consume... Uh, the Umbrella Academy season two mentioned it last week, but now it's out, so I'm going to go through that. Mm-hmm. And also Muppets Now on Disney Plus, the brand new Muppets TV show. Which I'm very excited to get into, although it feels a little weird because I had to watch the original Muppet trilogy for the oldie but a goodie uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it's kind of strange going from those original voices to the current voices, mm-hmm. just because they're so far removed. Yeah, uh, and do y- you know? feel like impressions which they are which is you know of course they are that's what you're gonna do but yeah uh here and check those two out have you got anything else that you've come up with 
Well, I want to. I'm going to continue my revisit of uh, Last of Us Part Two, just because, like I said, I want to be more aware of how the story flows. Because the first time around, I was like you, I was shooketh, even though that's a term <laughs> I don't particularly want to use. Um, but you know, it's got many shocking moments, mm-hmm. um, many very shocking moments <laughs> that surprise you and that confront you. And that it's also got really nuanced moments where it's a story about how basically don't hold people up on a pedestal kind of. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to say it's a story about that. That's just an element within the story. There are many messages within this game and it's genius in my mind. And I just want to pick up on those and see how they flow. And lots of characters' stories weave together really well and they reflect each other really well which is something you and i have already talked about on messenger yeah but i just i want to pick up on some more nuances now that i've had those big shocking moments i want to see how well things blend Mm -hmm. so i might just continue with that and anything else along the way like i said probably some more play watch listen because it's a great podcast probably other podcasts i was going to name one and ruin the guest but uh, (laughs) the surprise (laughs) i'll I'll leave that for a bit (laughs) for sure yeah, look, I might also then choose to take a bit of a relief from the heavy game that is The Last of Us Part Two and play maybe some more Uncharted and whatever TV or movie takes my interest. Nice. Between now and next week. Yeah, for sure. There should be something. I reckon there will be. You go back to Preacher. That'd be fun. You like that? Oh, yeah. I could do that. I don't know. Make up your own choice. I will. Live your best life. <laughs> I say that so much on this podcast and the other one. I've only just heard that from you today, but there we go. Oh, really? Well, on this show. like I actually have heard you mm. say it before. but On this show, definitely. Yeah. All righty. That's a good uh, good way to wrap up the episode, living our best life. That's a good note to end on. Yes. So, listeners, uh, live your best life. <laughs> tell us what you've been consuming while you've been living your best life. Mm-hmm. And tell us what you like to consume, or give us recommendations by sending an email to Sandra. Help me out. Uh, feedback.nerdout at gmail.com Thank you very much. Or message us on Instagram or Facebook. Links in the description. The Facebook page, not our personal account. Yeah. I'll block you. No, <laughs> I won't do that. Although you can, uh, you, can, you can send it to me on Instagram on my personal page if you wanted to. I don't mind. Yes. Uh, yeah, just let me know. You can follow us on Twitter because those links are in the uh, yep. description as well. They are there. And you could send us, you know, tweets about what you've been consuming or what you recommend. Yeah, if you want to just send us a tweet, we'll read that out as well, definitely. Absolutely, yeah. Hashtag nerdoutconsumed. Yeah. I might have updated my bio and made it a hashtag. I'm the only one posting about it at the moment, but we'll, <laughs> we'll get that going. <laughs> uh, but yes, absolutely. Let us know what you've consumed. Maybe as a bit of homework, if you haven't played The Last of Us Part 2, jump in there because it could be next week, could be the week after. We don't know. Sure. Don't know. No pressure on Sandro, but, you know, there'll be a special episode where half of it, I'm not going to say half, it'll probably be most of it, mm. uh, will be dedicated to that with a guest and it will be filled with spoilers. So if you want to stay spoiler free, play the game. If you want to play a really good game, I've already given my opinions about it, obviously, so it's not spoiling <laughs> my opinions. But if you want to play a really good game with nuance, shocking moments and a lot of confidence, play that and then go to your comfort tv or game because you do need a bit of relief from it every now and again (laughs) definitely uh and also if you're interested in movies from the 80s this week on oldie but a goodie we're reviewing (laughs) prince's film purple rain oh my god i've forgotten about that (laughs) like i knew the song i forgot there was a movie (laughs) i'm very interested to see what the reception is on our episode 
because we didn't love it. I'll say that much. Ah. Emerson's out right now. You can find it if you want. That doesn't mean you didn't love Prince. <laughs> oh, I love Prince. What a yeah. legend. He's the best. Can he act? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, You're safe to say no, by the way. He's a singer. <laughs> well, that's the thing, though. I genuinely don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> I think I've got to watch more of his films. Mm-hmm. But after this one, maybe I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Find out on Oldie But A Goodie. <laughs> Oh, dear. Oh, yeah, Emma's. We're thinking of doing a couple more episodes of Nerd Out uh, soon as well, getting us up to that number 50. Wow. Which we will hope to do in person. So, yeah. Yeah. On that note, we've surpassed 15 of this show. I'm pretty happy with that. Definitely, yeah. And only missed one week, which was for a good cause. For a good cause. It wasn't because we weren't able to make it or anything like that. It was a deliberate choice, and I'm proud of that choice. Definitely. Same. And I'm proud also that it happened that we could make the choice, not that it was like, hey, dude, I'm unavailable, I can't record. Oh, we're letting the audience down. No, we did it for a very good reason, and yes. I'm happy for us <laughs> that we've managed <laughs> to be consistent, and I'm happy that we managed to, at the time, let important voices be heard by not crowding the market. Definitely. Alrighty, I think that is it for this episode. Episode 16, not 15, Reese, <laughs> of Nerd Out consumed although technically it's the second episode of consumed that we recorded because we like to oh. confuse people yes it is no it's episode number two this is great <laughs> our second ever podcast together wow we did so well i know second ever together i know it's like we've been talking to each other for a decade about stuff. <laughs> no what do you mean <laughs> but yes thank you very much for listening and it's a goodbye from me reese parting and it's a farewell from me sandra felcher Ooh, and uh what was our sign-off last time? We came up with a new one. Um, just keep consuming, was it? Something like that? Carry on consuming. There we go. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Just <laughs> keep calm and carry on consuming. <laughs> calm, carry on consuming. Love it. <laughs> Alrighty. See ya. Bye.